Were you surprised that I was a four? Or were you like kind of picking that up? I mean, I really didn't know enough about you to be able to guess what you were. Um, But to me, you, you come across as a, I think me just a little bit you've been telling me about your life is that you've done a lot of personal work over the years and um, that shows in your how you react to people um, how you respond um, you know to me you, you seem pretty present um, so I mean again again when someone's healthy it will take a little longer to figure out what type they may be um, so it's when you start to see the, um, when we start going into our average levels, that's when it's sometimes a little easier to pinpoint. But again, I'm very cautious about, I have, if I think, well, they might be this or that, but I, I hold that very loosely. Um, because there's so many things, I mean, depending on your levels of health, it depends on your, uh, your, depends on your wing it depends on your instincts um, as to how we behave and uh, we so we can be the same type but um, act very 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 differently I mean you don't you dress nicely but you're not I haven't seen I don't see any pink and purple hair and (laughs) I have some tattoos some tattoos there yeah so but it's the thing, it's to celebrate that we are all our unique beings. And the Enneagram is say it's to take you out of you. It says, this is the box you tend to get go into when you're under stress. And the Enneagram is a process towards healing that helps you to get out of the box. And then I've also learned that you need all the other things. So you need stuff that's helping you to quiet your mind. You need stuff that helps you to get in touch with your body. And I'm guessing you probably had to do a lot of that. everyone and welcome back to a brand new episode of the unbreakable you podcast it's me meg here again as always but we are joined today by a very special guest and i am so excited to introduce you to him today so for a while now i have been very into the enneagram and i've been wanting an expert to come and join me on the show and share all of their expertise and knowledge all about the Enneagram and how we can use it to improve our lives and step into a deeper sense of self-acceptance and loving ourselves because I truly believe that by knowing more about ourselves, we are able to accept and love ourselves so much deeper. So I was introduced to Roland Legg through Instagram, and he actually just happened to be local to me. So it was pretty amazing to be in the same city as such an expert on the Enneagram. And I am just so excited for you to join us today and learn everything that you need to know about the Enneagram. So I wasn't planning on having this be a two-part series, but there was just so much to cover and I really didn't want to just scratch the surface on this amazing topic. So we are doing part one of two today which means you will have to come back and join us next week for part two. So we have a long episode today, longer, somewhat longer than usual. So I won't keep you any longer and we will jump to the juiciness of today's show. Enjoy my friends. You're going to love it. (laughs) 
And so once I started taking courses through the Enneagram Institute, that's when I, um, it was just like, wow, this, this is amazing stuff. Cause I'd done Myers-Briggs a bit before and it was interesting and, and helpful, but the, the Enneagram just, it hit who I was. So, so amazing. Mm -hmm. So much that um, blew me away. And then with the coaching using the Enneagram, it's really changed my life. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting shivers because I feel the exact same way. Like there's so many types of like personality assessments, things like that. But there's something about the Enneagram that just is like so different from the rest. And so quickly it's become my favorite of all types of like personality type of assessments. Is that how you would describe it can you just give us a actual like professional description of what Enneagram is it's to me it's a lot more than a personality modality it's kind of it's kind of a way it's a it's a it's hard to describe it but it's kind of a it's almost a teaching um but it's I would say the actual um the diagram is a it's a it's a, like a map for personal growth for personal development so it's a tool it's a way of experiencing the world and it's all about being present so it's taking away all those uh, walls we put up around ourselves all those barriers we put up around ourselves to get so we we are just in touch with our essential self. So it's whatever language you want, it's your true self, your better self, if you're a person of faith, it could be God self, spirit self. Um, and it's sort of getting at, at your inner core, like who, who are you? And when you are able to live in the moment, and that's hard to do, but the more we can live in the moment, that means we have access to all that inner wisdom. And the more I learn about that, we don't have just one brain. We, in our Western society, we tend to be overly focused on our head brain, and it's still very important. But there's more and more research showing that we have a heart brain and a body brain. And they're even discovering there's even more than that. But that's what I'm starting to be aware of those three. So it's your emotions, it's your sensations of your body, and it's quiet mind. And so when you have access to all those things and you've done your work, you will just know inherently what you need to be doing. And it's sort of like when you're doing that, the true Meg is shining. When I'm doing it, the true Roland is shining. And we don't get caught up in the fear of the past or anger or frustration about the past. Because I've done a lot of that especially being a minister in the church. I'd be overanalyzing a meeting or connection I had with somebody or a church service. Now, did I really annoy somebody? Why did they walk out of the church that Sunday? What did I say? that Maybe they, did they offend me? And I get really caught up in that inner chatter in my head, which takes me away from the present. And as a, my personality type, I get very anxious. But when I can just, and then the other place I go is fear of the future. And of course, as a six, I am very, um, I'm always looking to keep things safe. So when I'm not at my best, I'm, I call it awfulizing. I'm, I call myself a recovering awfulizer. So it just means that I focus on something that's highly unlikely going to happen, even though I may intellectually know I still get really caught up in it. And then that takes me away from being in the present. Right. And just to, just to give you an example of how I learned to coach, um, they, said, they said, you know, I keep saying, well, what do you do in this situation and that situation? And they said, well, if you just, you know your coaching skills, you know the Enneagram, that if you stay grounded, you will just know how to respond to that person. Mm, okay. Okay. So I have... I'm so excited for this chat, as I've shared with you so many times already. But I think we should start going through the types. But before we actually do that, 
I want to address this one thing before we actually go into all nine types. So a friend and I were chatting and we were talking about how just recently the Enneagram seems to have gotten real popular over on Instagram. Like there's all these Enneagram meme accounts and whatnot. And people like it because they're like, oh my gosh, that's me, right? And people like that sort of thing. But a lot of people don't know that there's a whole like, spiritual, religious aspect to the Enneagram. And I wanted to make sure that I did not leave that out of this episode because although it's trendy, there's a whole like spiritual, religious aspect to it that's really important to me. And I want people to learn about that as well. So can you kind of briefly explain that to us? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, if you go back in the, the original beginnings of the Enneagram, um, it's, it goes back to very ancient mystic religions. Um, talks about a, a lot of it started around the, the Desert Fathers, so very, very early Christianity. But it even goes back into some of the ancient wisdom religions uh, from the Middle East, um, and it certainly has gained, it sort of started to gain strength with in the mystical parts of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. And for me, I believe those three religions are very, very interconnected. Some people are very offended by that. But, um, and then you can probably find connection with any of the major religions of the world, whether you're looking at Hinduism, Buddhism, Sufism, whatever, the list goes on. Uh, but I, I really believe that we all have a spiritual part of ourselves. And when I see spirituality, I'm saying it in the largest perspective. So spirituality to me is when we feel connected to all people, plants, animals, trees. We feel connected to the universe. And that we're connected to something that feels higher than us. More uh, There's something more significant. And, and what I love about the Enneagram is that Yes, it can be really um, helpful in for people who are part of some of the great religions of the world, and you can work, you can use it in any of those religions. But so you can you can use it in any situation, and you're seeing it more and more used in business. And I just think that the enneagram is. I'm not saying it's for everybody, because there's we all need different things. All I can say, it's made a huge difference in my life. I've met people from around the world where it's making a huge difference. And it has the potential to create a language that can bring people together beyond all the divisions we have in the world today. So it's getting beyond uh, your religion or whether you don't have a religion or your philosophy in life. It gets beyond your color of your skin. It gets beyond your gender. It gets beyond your sexual orientation. So it's something that can bring us all together and help us all to be living at our best. And I have to keep reminding myself, May, is that the only person I can change is me. I've tried so hard to change other people, and it doesn't work. Yeah. (laughs) So that's to me is... um, The other thing is I I think I would want to mention in the podcast is that like anything, the Enneagram can be abused. And one of the things I always emphasize with people that when they're figuring out their type, in the end, only you can decide what you are. It's, Mm. It's great to have a close friend or somebody or a family member that you can still go over the types and you can get them to help be honest with you because sometimes we're so close to ourselves, we can't really see how others experience us. Right. Uh, so we can invite people and people can say, like for me, I wanted to be a two so badly. I'm such a nice guy. <laughs> I didn't want to be a six. And it took my friend Brian and my and wife Jen to sort of say, well, you might want to look at six. And then the more I looked at, yeah, I'm a six. So it's really important to me that we always say it's in your your power to know what you are and all the other things never to be used as a weapon 
I mean, I've had a few people say my issue is that I'm an unhealthy six. Well, yes, I know I have some challenges as a type six, but you don't use it to blame. Mm. And it's a really focus of learning to be non-judgmental. Non-judgmental against yourself and non-judgmental about the people that are that are in your life. So does that kind of get at Totally. Yes, that definitely answered. So I do think it would probably be time now to maybe go into the nine types because there's nine types, right? So we've got a lot of work to do. So we need to go in and explore each of those types. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm first... I'm going to divide these up in a, a little differently than sometimes. There's different. You can divide it. There's different way of dividing it into groups of three. Um, often people will divide it up into the group that are what they call in the the body center or the belly center or the instinct center. So it's everything to do with your your body, the sensations, the tightness of your muscles, anywhere in your body. So the, the eight, the nine, and the one are in the that instinctual center and then you've got the heart center which is the two three and four the emotions and five six and seven are the head center and all it means is that when you are in those centers in a very in a um in a moment like in a tenth of millionth of a second like say if a tree falls down around you the person in the body center will feel it first in their body the person in the emotional center will feel it in their emotions and the person in the head center will feel it first in the head center. Now, just because that's your area of where you experience, doesn't mean that's your strength. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to refer to more as the group, what I call the assertive group and the withdrawn group and the dutiful group. Dutiful mean feeling really responsible. I I personally find it a little easier to think about whether I'm assertive, withdrawn, or dutiful, whether than I'm a body, heart, or mind center. So I'm going to start with the assertive center, and they are the types um, seven, eight, and three. And just a reminder that all types are equal. They're equally good, and they're equally bad. They're just kind of like um, different ways of seeing the world. So it's it's like we all have different glasses, you know, of all the nine types, and we all went around with different colored glasses because we see and experience the world a little bit differently. So the type, um, we'll start with the type. Um, we'll start with the type. Let's let's start with type eight. So we'll go eight, three, and seven. So if I get confused, you can help me to move on, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the type eight is called the challenger. Type eights are um, at their best. Type eights, they have a really um, powerful energy around them. It's like you just, you feel an aliveness, especially if you're a person that are sensitive to other people's energies. There's just a force, a power, an energy Often type eights are just people that can go hard all the time and they're busy. They have they have such a connection with their intuition, they're within their body, they just know things. They just know what's really important, what they need to be about in their lives. And they have a real passion for helping those they feel that are pushed to the fringes of society. So anybody they see that's trying hard, working hard, uh, maybe oppressed, maybe because they see that um, they're an indigenous person and they've gotten a bad rap and they're having, and they see them trying so hard and they're going to come and sort of be their advocate. They're going to be there to sort of support them, speak up on behalf of them. Um, so AIDS have a real passion for helping people push to the fringes of society. They don't have a lot of time for people that really don't try very hard but they have a real passion for, they're drawn to people who are challenged. So it could be someone de- trying to get off drug addictions. It could be someone just struggling to find a job. It could be someone being harassed because of their sexual orientation. I mean, it could be all sorts of things. So they have a real passion to do that. They are so big hearted people. And people often miss that because eights 
because of their great sensitivity, they will um, put up all these walls around themselves. So sometimes people say they're like a bull in a china shop. And if you get a bunch of eights together, they will have a lot of, they'll say, what really frustrates them is being misheard. And it's partly because they're so open, they're so upfront, and they're so direct. They just tell it like it is to you. Um, so some people can find them very intimidating. And I know earlier on in my life, any of these assertive energies I was very intimidated by. Um, they are just movers and shakers. They love it when people join them and sort of know that you're there holding the, being there, holding their back. Um, don't try to stop an eight. That's going to be very counterproductive. And eight at their best, they will bring out their very their um, their gentleness, um, their vulnerability. Um, but when they start moving into stress, and in any type, when you start moving to stress, it means you start losing your identity. Mm. And most of us are between the average to healthy levels. Most anybody listening to me or to your program is probably in the average to healthy um, place, but they start to lose who they are. And when they get into that fear of being blocked for the ages, that fear of being blocked, that's when all the walls start coming up around them. And they can become very aggressive. Nates can be very misunderstood. Um, so then they can start to, when they, it's sort of like the assertive types, they will just, when they're feeling blocked, the less healthy they get, the more they just push ahead. And if they have to run over somebody, they'll run over somebody. Okay. But when they're really healthy, they, they, you find this very vulnerable, loving side of the eight. And I've had experience of a, a workshop, and I was just going to call this person Q. <laughs> but person Q um, just had, uh, just was one of these very, um, you just felt like there was a wind swirling around this person. And uh, they were just go, 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 and um, opinionated and loud and just, but as I got to know this person, suddenly I started, there was this very vulnerable side. And this person has done a lot of powerful work over the years and is no longer a workaholic like he used to be. And he's vulnerable and he gives the amazing, most amazing hugs in the world. Um, so I started to see this very beautiful, um, vulnerable side of this man who at first was very, very intimidating to me. So um, I think that's sort of a, a good summary. Do you have any other questions about the eight? Awesome. No, I think that was a great summary. So I think you said um, threes were next. Yes. So Three. Type threes are called the achiever. Okay. And um, they love to achieve. So threes at their best, it's a very another powerful energy. Um, they have this sort of sense of wanting to, they want things to happen. They can, they have a really great vision of how they can improve anything, whether it's their own family, um, their career, their place of work, they're creative, they're energetic, they're playful. Um, they are incredible, great mentors. They're really good at mentoring, whether it could be in an organization, their family, or in a corporation. They are just really good at helping people to mentor other other folks. Cool. Um, it's really important for a three. Um, the difference in eight, eight doesn't really care who, what other people think. But threes really do care. And um, threes really want to know that they're doing a good job. They really want to know that people are appreciating. They really want to know that people are noticing them. So if you want to affirm a three, as long as you're being genuine and let them know when you think they're really doing a great job. But when they start to fear that they're not successful and successful is a very dangerous word because everybody has a different um, understanding of what it means to be successful. And the trouble comes when you become so fixated on being successful, what happens when you get successful? And they tend to be very competitive. So competitive with themselves and competitive with others. So they'll always have to, when they're not at their best, they're always having to outdo themselves or outdo somebody else. So if their goal of being successful was to have the, you know, to make $40,000, maybe next time it's 50, 
and it's just going to keep going exponentially up. And there's always going to have this feeling of I'm not good enough because I'm always wanting, wanting more. But when they're healthy, they're still creative and they still have this incredible energy and desire to keep improving things, uh, whatever family, company, nonprofit, any organization, they're always looking at ways to make things better. Um, so that's, that's for the three. And I said the, um, say one other thing about the eight was that the, the eights really appreciate people that are truly upfront and honest with them. They can't stand people who don't really honestly say it. they, if you're annoyed with an eight, they really want you to, you know, as long as you're using those I statements, they really want you to be honest with them. Okay. But eights really don't care what others think about them. Threes really do care. And, um, so yeah, that's a good, I think a good summary of the three. Yeah, for sure. I don't know any eights or threes, but I do, my dad's a seven. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say about the seven now. So I aim at Riso Hudson model. The, th- um, the seven is called the enthusiast. And sevens, um, again, they have a great sensitivity um, they have incredible energy. They are curious. They are playful, and they want to enjoy every moment of their life. They want to like their motto is, "We're here for a good time, but not a long time." So let's just make the best. And often, um, sevens sort of become the people that ensure everybody else is entertained. Um, they love people to join with them on their fun things and their adventures. They don't like it when trombone tries to pull them back from that. Um, they have a, um, a great ability to, um, well, they're, they're really adventurous. So they're the, they're the people that will jump out of planes and go wild river rafting. I'm not saying other types can't have it because we all have all nine types in this, but they're particularly they like to have things that get the adrenaline going. Uh, and they are big picture people. Like if you have some sevens in your organization, they are really good at seeing the larger picture and how things connect to each other and what things you could maybe doing that somebody like myself could not see um, beyond my own limitations, but they can see the larger picture. Um, so sevens are really good at that. Um, but they get bored really easily and it can be hard for seven to complete things. They start, they like the big visioning, the big picture stuff, but when it comes to dotting the I's and crossing the T's, that becomes very tedious for them. But again, when a seven is really healthy, um, they will make sure things get completed. They start it. I mean, if they're in a larger organization and they can arrange it that they can pass on the things they start to someone who's a details person. That's great. If they're running their own business, they will learn how to finish. They will know the importance of it. It's not going to be their favorite thing to do, but they'll make sure it happens. But because they do not like to feel, I call it their inner pain or their inner yuck, um, they will tend to um, keep busy to push all that inner pain away. So when they're well, they are able to face that. But when they start losing their health they, and start to disconnect with who they really are, getting stuck in their ego, the limitations of their personality, that's when they start to just, um, they will run away from anything that feels yucky. They don't want to talk about anything in the past because the past is has been, and they just want to look at the future. And they don't want to talk to anyone that's going to try and get them to, to look at their issues from the past. It's just full speed ahead. And as they get worse, that's when they start to um, find more extreme ways of, of pushing away their, their pain and their fear. So that's when they need to do more and more things to keep the adrenaline going. Um, so at their best, they, they, they have a lot of curiosity. They're, they're willing to try anything once. Um, but when they're well, they are able to com- complete things. They're able to have long-term relationships with people. Um, they're not always 
seeing that the, the grass is greener on the other side. But when they're not so well, they are in this, they're always looking for more excitement. And they're always looking for something that's more going to be more fun and more enjoyable. So it can be hard for a seven to say, yeah, I'm going to go out with you tomorrow because something more exciting might come up. But when they're well, they will be committed to it. I like um, how you're giving us like a balance of, okay, when this person is in balance, right? This is mm-hmm. like what they can achieve. But when they're out of balance, these are some things they kind of tend towards. So I really like the contrast there because it's important to focus on that, like, okay, this flaw or the fault in any sort of type, it's not like they're forever, right? It's it's just when the person is kind of out of balance or like how you've been saying unwell, um, that's when those kind of negative characteristics almost show up right yeah so yeah it's just because you're out of you're out of balance mm-hmm. but it's learning as the enneagram is really all about learning to um, become conscious of what we've unconsciously done right and it's to learn to do it without any form of judgment mm-hmm. it's to say oh i'm running away from something and and then it's to get curious about what am i running away from what pain am i running away from so healthy sevens will deal with their yuck. Awesome. They won't, keep, they won't keep running away from it. Cool. Okay. So we got through three. Now, which uh, what's the next three that we focus well, let's, on? Let's look at the withdrawn types. Okay. So when I say when the, the uh, assertive types get under stress, they just sort of push right ahead. They just keep, they've got a lot of energy. So if you've got an eight, they can deal with a lot of bureaucracy and nothing will stop them. So that's a really great gift. It gets you into trouble too, but it can be a great gift. The withdrawn types are the opposite. When they get under stress, they withdraw into themselves. So that often means they'll need a lot of time to themselves. Are you going to start talking about fives? Yes. 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 So why don't we begin with the type five? So sure. it's the, the four, the five, and the nine are where the withdrawn types. Four, so five, and nine? Nine. So okay. it's just, just means that that's how you respond to stress. Yeah. It's nothing, they're just different. They're not good or bad. They're just different. So For sure. The five, and I'm married to a five. Um, My boyfriend is a five. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's why I said that. <laughs> So fives are people they love to learn. Um, they they are they make great scholars, they make great teachers, they make great researchers. Um, they are great observers, and they really like to focus on something that's deep. They don't they don't like just the mundane talk. They don't like oh what how are you doing? Yeah, what that's been a hot day. It's been cold. They, they, they really wanted to get into something to, in depth. And they don't want to be one of these people that knows a little bit about everything. They're people that they find something they're passionate about and they want to go deep. So for example, um, say you decide you're interested, interested in insects. Well, then maybe you'll learn about one particular insect and you'll research it for five or 10 years and you'll know really a lot about it. Um, they are generally introverted folks, but if you talk to them about a passion, something they know a lot about, you would have no clue they were introverts. And that's with my wife, Jen. Um, I, when I first met her, I thought she was an extrovert. But for some reason, she felt very comfortable with me. We were both involved in the United Church, and she was in our comfortable world. So she was very, she's a minister here at St. Andrews here in Yorkton. And um, she's very, most people there have no clue that she's introverted because when she's in her role of minister, when she's in her role of being passionate about children, prison ministry, um, environment, um, sexual diversity, I mean, all the different things that she has passions about, she, um, she knows a lot about it and she's not afraid to talk about it. And she loves to talk about others. But he put her in a party where she doesn't know her role and 
she'll just sit quietly and think, I'd rather be at home reading a book. Um, and she'll just listen. She, she'll hardly utter a word. So for a five, when they're in a place that they're not comfortable with, it's really hard to put themselves out there. But they are really, they may sit there and look like they're doing nothing, but they're really observing a lot what's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, when any type is five, you start to gain, like if you're a healthy five, you will have a lot of health in all the other types. Right. But as you lose your identity, that's when you start to get stuck in in your in your personality patterns. Okay. And for the five, it's really important for them to start recognizing that um, that they need to acknowledge they have a body. It's very easy for a five under stress to go into what I call their imaginary world, um, where anything is possible. I call it Genland, and in Genland, anything is possible. And she can divide everything into little compartments, which can be great because it can help keep her stress down. But as a six, I'm always looking at the implications of everything, so it can create some some stress. Okay. We generally laugh together instead right. of cursing each other. Right. Um, so it's it's learning for the courage to fight to take care of themselves physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. Remind them that they have a body. Um, remind them that it's important to eat. Uh, eat well and get enough sleep. So I'm not saying if you're a healthy five, I mean, you will do all those things. But when you're not, you will start to forget that you have a body. And sometimes fives will really fear looking stupid. So they sometimes they think they need to know a lot more before they're willing to speak. And so it's important for, to encourage a five to let us know what's going on, even if they don't feel like it's a fully, they haven't done enough research. And for a five, that might mean they've done three years of research and they still don't feel like they know enough. So it's a kind of scary thing to put themselves out there. Right. It's so funny. So I know we haven't chatted about wings yet, but I have a five wing. My wing is five. So Me too. Really? Yeah, I have a five wing. Cool. So now we are going to move on to fours, which is my type. (laughs) <laughs> oh, cool, cool. So in the Riso Hudson, they call that the individualist. Fours have a real sense of beauty. They can go into any space and, and see the beauty that's already there, but they're also really good at um, seeing the potential. And they're really, it's really important for a four to be about finding their, who am I? Who am I? So for you, it's always explore what's it mean for me to be made fully me fully made and so they have this desire to um be beautiful to be create beauty and and that can happen in many ways Uh, they tend to be very um some way artistic in some way and that can come out in many ways that can be come out in uh, you you could have a hobby like painting or uh um you're skilled in digital presentations, or you could be really good at um, home design. You could be really good at creative writing. Um, but part of this sense of being unique. So when the four is healthy, they will be able to, because you're very a heart type person. You're very, you like to have heart to heart conversations. And it's interesting, <laughs> just a little bit, I was hearing you on your podcast was, I was hearing that's the kind of real connection you want to have with people, mm-hmm. the people you're interviewing and the people that you're connecting out there in the world. You want to have this deep heart to heart conversation. And um, so I don't know if that connects for you or not, but. Oh, big it's time. Hard. <laughs> so it's, and it's also about finding your unique self. And when the four is healthy, they can feel comfortable with who they are. But as the four starts to get stressed out and fear about, um, I guess the worst thing of the four is not feeling understood, not fully understanding that they know themselves, of this sort of vicious circle of wanting to be unique and wanting to show everybody that you're different from any everybody else, but also have a hankering to be like everybody else. So it's this constant battle when you're sort of in average levels of health. And so you're, you're sort of doing everything to show that you're unique and that could come out in your decor in your home. It could come out 
in how you dress. It could come out in the language you use. Um, you know, for someone, for some pores, um, it might come out in, they have their hair colors, all sorts of wild colors, or they have piercings all over the place, or tattoos. Um, they dress, they dress, you know, in more um, maybe outlandish ways or very stylish ways, but mm-hmm. it's very much their own style. Cool. Um, but as far as start to get to that place of where they're they're fearing not being, um, feeling like there's something wrong with them, feeling like there's something defective about them that's when they start to go back to what helps them to feel alive. And for a four is that feelings. And for the four, when they get into that average state of health, they often have their favorite moods. And they forget that moods and emotions are constantly shifting. Like one moment you may be really happy and the next moment you're crying. So it's constantly shifting, but they tend to have favorite places they go to and they can become very melancholic. Mm-hmm. So a, a four that's not doing so well um, can get really struck in these heavy moods and they might just need a friend to come by and help them to sort of come out of it because they could go into them for hours or days where they just sit there and kind of be miserable. Um, but for them, they think that's the only way for them to feel alive. But I say when a four is healthy, they don't get stuck. Um, they, uh, they're still very um, uh, heart-centered connecting at very deep levels with people and they can feel good about themselves. They find ways to express their creativity. They are able to find ways of sharing beauty, helping to remind people of beauty in this world. And when I say beauty, I mean, it's just anything that um, inspires people. Um, It doesn't have to be what we get caught in what's considered conventional beauty. And the four is, I mean, the best way you can help a four that's helping is just helping having those conversations and encourage them to really be, what am I feeling right now? And getting beyond what I think I should feel than what I'm really feeling. And that can be a lot of work because it's, I think we all get caught in a sense of what I think I should feel. And we get confused what we really feel and what we think we're feeling. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know if that at all connects for you. Oh, I'm sure that everyone that's listening to this episode that knows me at all is thinking, oh, yeah, that's 100% Meg. So, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Reminding us that we're all different and we all have all nine types in us. Yeah. And um, often a way to find out your type is find the one that you have the strongest reaction to. Mm-hmm. because often we'll see that it's very easy like good things about ourselves are like teflon they just sort of roll off us but anything that's negative seems to be sticky so i could sit here and tell you all the wonderful things about a four uh, but maybe you're not doing so well if you just hear all the negative things so each type has its beauty and when we're healthy we have all those qualities in us that are mm-hmm. that are working well yeah Awesome. So now nine would be the next withdrawn yeah, so type. That's the, that's the peacemaker. Okay. This is my mom. <laughs> ah, I, think my, I think my mom was a nine. Yeah. Uh, no, my dad. Sorry. My dad. I think my dad was a nine. Okay. Um, so nines are just, they have the gift of understanding different perspectives. Um, so that makes them really good mediators. And that could happen in just dealing with conflict anywhere, whether it's home, whether it's in a place of work or working for external affairs of the government or United Nations or anything. They just can go into a room and they can hear five different perspectives and they can have an understanding of where all those people are coming from. It's just a natural gift they have. So and when they are healthy, um, they have a good sense of confidence about who they are. They're able to see their worth and value in the world. And um, they are able to know what they need in their lives and they're able to express what they need in their lives. But if the nine starts to feel of losing connection with people they love, that's when they start to appease at all costs. And I can just give you an example when a nine is sort of maybe at an average level. You know, maybe you're, if you have a couple, one's a nine, the other's something else. 
The other one will call, well, dear, where do you want to go out for supper? And the nine will just say, well, wherever you want. And the thing is, they will keep repressing it because they, they're so afraid of creating any conflict. They just sort of go along with whatever the other person wants. But it can only last so long. So I'll say, um, spouse says, well, let's then let's let's go out to McDonald's for supper. And maybe this is finally gone for five times. And you spouse thinks this person really loves going to McDonald's too, because they haven't said anything about not wanting to go to McDonald's. But the, the person who's the nine really hates detests going to McDonald's. McDonald's is about the worst place on the earth you could ever go to. Maybe they worked there once, like I did. <laughs> <laughs> and so eventually, well, they'll, maybe on the fifth time, the fifth date out, they just won't show up or they'll just blow up. So you think meek and mild and calm mind, you suddenly discover there's this, this really angry side. So nines often will suppress their anger. And um, the, the assertive types often express and deal with anger in, in different ways. So helping a nine is just to help them remind themselves that we value them showing up every day. We value them just sharing um, what's important to them. We value knowing what are the things they need to be happy in life. So if they're in a relationship, it's important for the nine to let their, their partner know what's really important for them to be healthy. And so it's important for the nine to be able to discern what that is for them and to know that we all benefit from them from showing up fully and say, we care about you. We're not going to run away from you. You can trust that we're going to hang in for the long term with you. And, and then it's just helping them see that they have an incredible ability to bring people together, to bring people from differing perspectives together. And that can, they can be known amongst their family and friends that um, if they're um, struggling, they know that their friend is going to be really good at helping to work through this conflict. And moving out of this winners and losers, then it becomes them helping to work through a win-win situation for all. Awesome. Yep. That is my mom, the peacemaker, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. So now we have three more types, right? Yeah, so so that would be like a six, two, one. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the dutiful types. Okay. And this is you, a six. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well let's do let's do me. I'm, I'm six. Okay. I'm a loyalist. Um, six is at our best. Uh, we're problem solvers. We are able to see problems way before they ever happen. So we're, we're concerned about our own safety, but the safety of those we love. We're really good team players. We love it when people come together and work together. Um, when you gain the trust of the six, you can, they're committed. That's where it's sort of the, um, the, the title for the, uh, for the six, the loyalists. We are very loyal. So once you have our, our trust, um, we, we're there for you through thick and thin, whether that's in a relationship or in a work situation, um, we're very loyal. Um, we have a great sense of humor when we're healthy and happy. And uh, when we're at our best, we are courageous. So it's very opposite when we are at our worst, which we are very fearful. Um, the big challenge for the for the six is that some sense in some place in life we feel that we were abandoned. So that could be abandoned by a parent, a sibling, um, and, and often parents won't even know this is happening because every child is different. So every depending on your type, well, you'll respond to things in a different way. But it could be a child that maybe one of their parents left or died at an early age, and this is how they responded. So it's when the six is that place of fearfulness that comes out of feeling abandoned. Um, it can all be so it'd be a spiritual sense of abandonment. It could be sense that God has abandoned them, or the spirit has abandoned them, mm -hmm. or the universe has abandoned them. And when they start to fit, they get very fearful. And we start to overanalyze everything for dangers. 
And when we get so caught in that average behaviors, um, then we start to fear things when they are not there. Uh, we lose trust in connecting with our own inner, our own inner wisdom. And we often start to ask people around us for advice because um, we don't trust our own advice. We don't trust our own inner wisdom. But we can also be, um, you know, go around and ask people, what do you think I should do in this situation? And if we don't like what anybody says, we'll totally ignore what everybody has <laughs> told us. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. So, it's, um, so at our best, we're really good at... Um, I mean, example, as a young child, I remember being at the Vancouver Planetarium Museum and was there with my family and the fire alarm went off and I was out like a shot. I got outside and nobody else was there, not even my family. So that's sort of my sense, my security. So I'm, I'm very concerned about my well-being and that comes out, I'm concerned about getting exercise and eating well. Um, I'm concerned about people in my life, that they're staying healthy. I can be overly um, protective of Jen. I have to watch that. Um, she'll let me know if I'm getting, so you're being like my mother. <laughs> I'm not your mother. I know that. Um, so it's, it's helping the six to start slowing down, going in with inside themselves. And um, often for me, it's been doing a lot of meditation and breath work um, to help me face those fears. It's like to shine the fears on those anxieties. Um, and it comes from sort of a lack of trust, whether it's not trusting my body, it's not trusting my um, inner wisdom, it's not trusting that God is there to guide me. And when I start losing that trust, that's when I fear a lot of anxiety. And I feel that, say, in muscle tension. Now, there's been times in my life where I just would start, I get so tight in my throat, I start gagging. Um, um, if I'm in an uncomfortable situation, worrying, maybe I'll perspire a lot, I'll have cold, wet hands. Um, there's times in my life where I just felt totally overwhelmed and that nobody could understand me. Um, but as soon as I can start to get in touch with that inner wisdom, and one of the gifts for me discovering me that I was a six was helping me to understand there was nothing wrong with me. I was a six and sixes are more liable to get anxiety and fear issues mm. because of lack of security. Okay. And then our, our issue is that we start to see um, problems when there isn't any problems. And then we can start to get very manipulative with other people and trying to, trying to control things to keep us safe. Mm. And when there's a lot of things we do that we're not even conscious. So like when I was a minister and I knew it was gonna, I was serving a whole bunch of small churches and there was a big storm the night before, I would probably not sleep all night worrying about the weather. And I know full well, I cannot control the weather. Right. But subconsciously, I was trying so hard to control the weather to keep myself safe. And as much as the six wants everybody, everything to stay the same and you know exactly where you're going and what you're doing and what's going to happen is in sequential um, events that life is full of surprises. Life is full of the unexpected. And so it's for the six just to learn to trust. And when they start to trust their inner wisdom, that's when they finally start to find their courage. Okay, that was a great description. And as I mentioned, I'm a four wing five. And my boyfriend Scott is a five. But I was always curious if his wing was a four or a six. But that nailed it for me. He's definitely a five wing six for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so the last um, now we'll go into um, the type one, sure. which is called the reformer. Okay. And I think my mother was a one. Ones are great teachers. Ones are, um, they have a hunger to make the world a better place. They just intuitively know there are better ways to do things. Mm -hmm. So whenever they look in any situation, they're always seeing how things can be better. And they love to bring other people along. When they're well, they really do have a good sense of how things can be better and not what can be better, 
but how you can do to improve it. They often are people that have, have like to keep learning school or other ways to reading. Um, they often are what I would say deeply spiritual people in the sense of this feeling this really interconnection with the universe, which could be religious or not religious. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was a very uh, important member of the Quaker meeting in Vancouver. And she was considered one of the elders that people would go and talk to if they had troubles. And of course, when you're younger, you think your mother is pretty uncool and uh, has all these crazy ideas. But later on, I discovered how well-respected she right. was. And I could tell she was a very deeply spiritual woman. Yeah. Um, the ones on... Um, when they start to fear, like for the ones is really important for them to do the right thing okay and when they're healthy they have a good balance of, of, of not being overly upset if they don't do things perfectly or if things don't go the way they want but as they start to lose their connection with their true selves that's when they start to um get really hard on themselves when they don't do things right and they often have unreasonable expectations of themselves and the mm-hmm. more unreasonable expectations they have of themselves, the more unreasonable expectations they have of those that love them. Mm-hmm. So a love, a one might be really nattering at you for not dressing well or not working hard enough at school or washing the dishes the right way. And they're all doing it because they love you. Yeah. But we're probably not hearing it as love. We're hearing right. them as nattering at us. But because they see you can be doing better and they're worried for you and they're concerned for you. So they want to um, help you to change your ways. And my mother, that that not so healthy part could be seen and she could natter at me for washing the dishes the right way or um, she'd be nattering at me. She was always after me for my ability in English. So she, I'm sure in her her grave, but she must be astounded that I'm writing blogs these days, and she's probably checking my grammar and seeing how well I could improve upon that. That's but so it, funny. Was there a way of loving me? Right. But she has a hard time sometimes when she's under stress or one's under stress. It can be a really hard for them to even hear a different point of view. When the one is healthy, they can hear different perspectives. They can even be open to the possibility that someone else may have a better way of doing it. But when the one is not so healthy, they get so um, rigid on their own point of view, they will just push back anybody else's ideas and can be quite critical um, when they do that. Okay. Um, but again, ones are, they're, they're, the word reformer is that they just have a hunger of making the world and that can happen. It could be just in your family, it could be your community, it could be your country, it could be your church, it could be the whole wide world, but they have a hunger to, to do that. And at their best, they just they bring great um, blessing to our world. But when they're at, not at their best, then they can become annoying, like all types. We can all become very <laughs> annoying when we're not at our right. best. Of course. <laughs> Of course. No, I love um, hearing your descriptions, and that definitely resonated with me and people in my life. So that's that's really cool. So we have one more to go through, and that's finally the two. Yes. Yeah. The type two is known as the helper. Okay. These are people at their best who are just, they're generous people. They're they love supporting other people on their journey. They they will stop anything they do to help a friend in distress. Um, they are the people that you can always count on. And when they're at their best, um, they do it, they offer it freely without any expectations. They are also able to slow down and take care of themselves. They're also able to say no when they need to say no. Uh, but the greatest thing for the two is not feeling loved i mean they they want and when they start to fear that no one loves them that's when they start to like any type when they start to get unhealthy they'll start to move into manipulation and for the two is then they'll start to they get the idea that they have to earn their love okay so then they will start manipulating people into doing things for them expecting something back in return 
So when they're healthy, healthy, they they offer without any expectations. But when they're not, so like if you have a, a two that's maybe not at their best or they're going through a rough time in their life and they come over and offer to cook you supper, um, they might secretly expect you're going to take them out for a drink later or something and they won't say it. And they will often have a very specific way of understanding what it means for them to know they are loved. So you might do all sorts of things, but not the thing they were wanting to show they are loved. And then they can react in a very negative way and get very angry at you for not doing what they want you to do. But when they're, they are healthy, they will just be, anytime you show appreciation in whatever way, whether you take them out for a meal or whether you just give them a hug or whether you give them some flowers or a gift certificate or whatever, they'll just be so thankful. But the person that's not so healthy and the only way they were going to show them that you really love them is that you would take them out for a drink and spend as much money as they spent on you. So then it becomes mm. very, um, I think I, I've done this, so you owe me something. And the only way you're going to show me that you really love me is by doing that thing. So it becomes a very sense of having to earn it. So when you're working with a two or a two in your life, and they're maybe not going through the roughest times, it's just helping them know that they are loved just for being who they are. Okay. And they don't have to do anything to earn your love from for them. And it's, then it's helping them to take care of themselves because twos, when they're not at their best, will start to vicariously live through other people. And it's sometimes when they get really low health, they start to even lose who they are. And so you might have like someone will come in for counseling. They'll bring their, say they'll bring their husband and say, ah, oh, Jim, we got these problems and you know, he's got all these problems and we need to work on them. And, um, and the coach or counselor might try to say, well, um, probably, you know, let's hear both your stories because um, it's usually it takes two and like sometimes, yes, sometimes one may be more responsible, but there's usually some interaction going here that's not maybe the best. And the two, when they're not so well, will not be able to admit that they've got any problem. It's almost like they forgot that they're a human being and they have physical, emotional, spiritual needs. And so they start to live through everything through the emotion of that person. And when a two is not at their best, they like to be the center of attention. So if you have a two and you try to go out, like if you have a spouse couple and one of them wants to go out with a friend or they will feel very jealous and don't, will do everything they can to stop you from going out with that friend because they want to be part of everything. Mm. Now, when they're 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 relatively healthy, um, that won't that won't be an issue. Okay. So again, they are a great gift to the world. I yeah. mean, if you've got a two, a, a reasonably healthy two in your life, um, it's like hey, you you are gifted when you have any personality type in your life that is is doing very well. Right. But just say that in levels of health, they go up and down. We we usually have a sort of a swing each day, depending what's going on. So in the um, Riso Hudson model, there's nine levels of health. We don't generally worry about the lower, three lower levels, because when you're in those levels, you're probably psychotic and you need oh. psych psychotherapy. Like you've gotten so bad, you've almost lost who you are completely. Oh, wow. But most of us are in the average to healthy range. And we might sort of go up three or four points up and down every day. Okay. Um, and it's being very careful not to call people, uh, whether they're healthy or not healthy. Um, it's more for your own inner insight to sort of see how well am I doing? Um, right. What things can I improve upon? But that's why you can be the same type and you can have some very different behaviors. So level of health is one of them. Wings is another one. And another thing you can do a whole thing on is called your instinctual variance within your instincts there are three different ways i won't go into it now but then that could be another podcast <laughs> i know honestly roland so i know i brought up wings and then so i had all these things written down for us to talk about wings and i think what you were talking about the instincts some people call those subtypes 
Yes. Right? Yes. Instincts or subtypes. So um, I feel like we should do a part two. So if you want to jump on again with me at a later date and we could do a part two of this show, I think everyone would really enjoy that. I would love to. Okay, cool. So... We will wrap up today's episode and then we will see everyone back here for a part two. Thank you for the privilege of being on your podcast, Meg. Yeah, absolutely. You are the second male, I believe, to be on the show. So, (laughs) but I'm really happy to have you. (laughs) All right. So we will see everyone back here for part two. 